We're to have an earnest expectation for the revealing of the sons of God. This earnest expectation, it means to watch with outstretched necks, to watch anxiously. The revealing of the sons and the daughters of God takes place when the Lord returns for his church. And are we looking in expectation like that? Are we with outstretched necks? For us, it would be looking for the Lord's return. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Looking at Romans chapter 8 today, titled it, All Creation Groans. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 27. I've already said the points, but I'll say them again to you. First point is creation groans, verses 18 through 22. We groan, and this morning when I looked at my notes, I could have easily titled this Believers Groan, because he's talking about believers, even though we know that uh, those who believe in Jesus and those who do not believe in Jesus, we all groan, verses 23 through 25, and then the Spirit groans, verses 26 through 27. We also learned last week here in Romans 8, verses 1 through 27, it is a highly concentrated teaching about the Holy Spirit that's found in Paul's writings. Twenty times he mentions the Holy Spirit in verses 1 through 27. We're going to see the remaining three of those 20 times today as we see in verse 23, learning of the first fruits of the Spirit, verse 26, the intercession of the Spirit, and verse 27, the mind of the Spirit. For me, I've always liked Jesus's teachings from John's Gospel, beginning in chapters 14, also 15 and 16. There's a rich teaching about the work of the Holy Spirit there in John's Gospel, and I'm just going to add Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 27 to that list now because it is so rich concerning the characteristics of the Holy Spirit, also the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and how we're to respond as believers as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at a bit of that last week in our text. And so as we pick up our first point, Romans 8, verses 18 through 22, it tells us, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And Father, I ask that you would bless this teaching. Open our hearts to receive from your word today, Lord. Help us to understand it a little more clearer this morning, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, whether we're talking about Paul's day around 2,000 years ago or our current day, we find that people suffer. And it was when Adam and Eve had disobeyed God's commandment, they, along with the creation, they were subjected to futility, the bondage of corruption coming upon them. And even though the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they took it because in Genesis 3, 6, it tells us that it was pleasant to the eye and that the tree was desirable to make them wise. By eating the tree, they actually sinned against God's command, thus setting the stage for today's present suffering. My friend, Pastor Jeff Geip, I just mentioned his new book in the process of setting up the book about contentment. He said, God left Adam and Eve a choice tree in the garden. And I underline that. I like that. He left them a choice tree, one tree. They had a choice whether to obey God or to disobey God. Of course, we know that they disobeyed the Lord, and it really set the stage for today's present sufferings. Nevertheless, Paul teaches us that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to come, that's going to be revealed in us. In other words, these current sufferings, though they may be great and very great at times, they do not compare with the future glory that awaits those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. This word for glory in the Greek, we know it as doxa. It is how you say it in the Greek. And so when you think about singing the doxology, doxa, the glory, it speaks about fame, reputation, or honor. And for this reason, both believers and creation itself were to have an earnest expectation for the revealing of the sons of God. This earnest expectation, it means to watch with outstretched necks, to watch anxiously. It's like the small children this past Monday down in Lake Villa during the parade, those who were toward the end of the parade route, looking down the road to see if the uh, fire engines were coming. Of course, you could hear them coming before you could actually see them, but I can envision the outstretched necks as they're looking down, saying, oh, good, it's starting. Of course, last Monday, we were not only looking down the road to see if the parade was coming, we were looking up to see if we could get it in before the rain came, and we just barely made it. It started raining right at the end of the parade route. I'm glad that we were in the middle and not toward the end of the parade. It felt bad for the marching band that came last. But that expectation, outstretched necks, and that's 
looking for the revelation of the sons of God. The revealing of the sons and the daughters of God takes place when the Lord returns for his church. And are we looking in expectation like that? Are we with outstretched necks as if we're in the middle of a parade waiting for the parade to begin and looking down the parade route? For us, it would be looking for the Lord's return. So our future glory, we find in verses 20 and 21, the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him, that be God, because of God who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption to the glorious liberty of the children of God. When God cursed the ground for Adam's sake, according to Genesis 3, 17, the seed of sin was planted in all of humanity and resulting the sufferings, the futility, the bondage of this present age. It also came upon creation as well. And that cursing the ground for Adam's sake, we find that then there were thorns, uh, weeds, that he would, what it appears to be in the Garden of Eden, there was perfection and it was a matter of paradise. And tending the garden did not mean that you had to go out there and pull a bunch of weeds to make sure that the, the plant was actually able to grow. There was no such issue. But with sin came this futility upon the earth as well, this corruption upon the earth as well. And so came with it the things that we see in our world, these sufferings. These sufferings, it speaks about torments or misfortunes, the futility. It actually in the Greek means devoid of truth. In bondage, the state of servitude. And we find in contrast that those who await and have put their trust in Jesus, there is the creation eagerly waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, the revealing of the sons of God, because creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious image of the children of God. Creation itself will also be delivered. And thankfully, God sent Jesus on another tree. There in the garden was the choice tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But God sent his son Jesus and there on another tree, Jesus bore the reproach and shame that came as a result of our sins. And in Galatians 3.13, it tells us that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. And because of that, there is liberty. There is that freedom that comes. As we read in the word in John 18, 36, therefore, if the son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. But those birth pangs, verse 22, we know the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. And just as the groans, the labors of a woman in the final stages of her pregnancy, it's actually announcing that someone wonderful is coming. So too, the present groanings and labors of this creation speaks about the Lord's soon return. To groan, it means, here it is, it's a word that means to groan with or to groan together. 
and the labors and birth pains. It's to suffer great anguish and pain together. Creation joining with us. In 2 Corinthians 5, 2, it says, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. For this we groan, groaning perhaps as yesterday I was working on taking down our last ash tree that gave way to the ash borer that killed so many trees over in my hometown Zion, one of the guys told me from there that they had over 800 trees that had died in that one town alone. And so I had three at my home and uh, taking down the last one, I was hoping it was going to make it, but the bark's starting to fall off and thinking, nope, it's not going to make, it's not going to pull through. But in the process of doing that, I bent over in one wrong step and there was a groan. And also the Anticipation. I can't wait for that new body. This old one that doesn't work as well as it used to. But you know that there's been a lot of groanings since 9-11. I think that we have experienced an increase of these birth pains in our world as our world has been rocked by radical Islam. Social change has really been big in our nation today. Economic instability. Natural disasters. We see them taking place even now in our country, various diseases and pandemics. And it's clearly a time that Jesus described in Matthew 24, 12, saying, because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And it seems to me that we live in a, a season in our world that it seems that with every passing year, things are not getting better, they're getting worse. But also what surprises me that with every passing year, people are not drawing closer to God or closer to Jesus, but drifting further away. The church is shrinking back in our nation today. In fact, some of the statistics, the polls that they've put together says that while there is, I think the last one, and I'm doing this from memory, while there is 4,500 new churches planted in the United States each year. 7,500 churches are closing each year. And so there are more churches closing than planting. And now we discover that there are less men and women going to get degrees in seminary for ministry. There's less of an appeal for the work of Jesus Christ in our country today. But we find that creation groans as it awaits its deliverance from the bondage of sin. And so creation groans, but also we groan. And I could have titled this Believers Groan, because he is talking about believers here. And I believe that obviously all the world, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, we have these points where we can groan, but here specifically, he points to the believers, and we pick up in verses 23 through 25. He says, and not only they, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is not seen is not hope. 
for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And so believers groaning, not only that, not only creation groaning, verse 23, but we also have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves as we eagerly wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. The believers, as believers, we have received the first fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Therefore, we join together in groaning. Uh, that word for groaning means to moan with someone, to groan together, as we've already learned. And as we await our adoption, our redemption, until then, God has given us the Holy Spirit as the first fruits of our future glory. In Romans 8, 15 and 16, speaking about the Holy Spirit, Paul had written, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have not only received the Holy Spirit, as we learn in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, that having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guaranteed of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of the glory. That as believers, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, you have been sealed according to the word of God with the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit of promise, but it also means that we have received the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. And because we have received the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, as we learned last week, we're able to cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, a term of endearment that the Jewish children would say concerning their dad. It would be like, whatever you are to your child or grandchildren, we all have kind of similar and then unique. And every once in a while you hear very unique names that children call their parents or grandparents, but the similarity of daddy, but that is of Abba, father, daddy, daddy. It's something the Jews never dared to call God, but Jesus cried out to his father in this way. And because of this, the Holy Spirit gives us that spirit of adoption that we're able to cry out to God in this way. Oh, Abba, Father, we're able to pray today. But we find because of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers, we have this threefold work that we see concerning the Holy Spirit. There's many works, but there's threefold work that Jesus declared in John 14 concerning the work of the Holy Spirit. First of all, he told us that the Holy Spirit is with us and will be in us. In John 14, verse 15 and through 17, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you a, another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. These two little prepositions speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit. First of all, that he is with you. 
The Bible tells us that no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit working in their lives. That prior to coming to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is with us. He is around us. He is drawing us to Jesus as our Savior. But once we receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of our life, he is no longer with us. He is in us. He enters in, becoming that first fruit of the Holy Spirit, that seal, that guarantee that we looked at there in Ephesians chapter 1. But also in Acts 1.8, it tells us that the Holy Spirit can come upon us. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said to his disciples right before he ascended into heaven, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Another uh, Greek preposition here, epi is the Greek word, that he comes upon you. He empowers us for the work of the ministry. And by the fruits of the Holy Spirit, we find our positional, our practical, our ultimate sanctification all comes through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That positional sanctification speaks about our spirits being sanctified the moment we believed in Jesus Christ. That practical side of our sanctification speaks about our lives being changed in this current day and age as we live for the Lord. Our lives being changed as we become more of the image of Jesus Christ. But that ultimate sanctification speaks about that time when we see Jesus face to face, and we will be transformed in the glorious image of our Lord. And though we've been adopted into the family of God, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, like Paul, we still wait for that full understanding of things. Paul said concerning now, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, now you see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. And today we see in that mirror dimly. It's not quite clear as we'd like it to be. Well, a couple of different things in mirrors. I was thinking, first of all, antique mirrors, sometimes they have that blackening that takes place in the back of the glass that causes the reflection to not be as clean or clear as it used to be in those antique mirrors. And so you see your reflection, but it's not... You're looking at the mirror thinking, is, is that a new sunspot or is that on the mirror? I'm not sure what I'm looking at here. Or maybe at the carnival, you go into a house of mirrors and everything's distorted. Say, whoo-hoo, look at me, I'm so skinny now, when you're actually not. Or look at me, I, I'm a little bit bigger than I used to be. It's a bit distorted. Although the Lord gives us a lot of information in Scripture, it's not in clear sight as of yet, but one day... We'll find that clarity when Jesus returns. It reminds us that we cannot let the groanings, the labors of this world distract us from the eternal perspective while we wait the glorious liberty of the children of God. And I fear that sometimes we get distracted by the things that's going on in our world. We get our eyes off of Jesus. We get distracted momentarily and we get our eyes off the prize and you know, that's horrible for someone to be distracted. You think of a runner who uh, 
while our grandson Caleb was doing a bit of running and, and placing very well, but I heard he was in first place in one of the races. Or maybe Caleb did tell me. He said, I was afraid to look back because I didn't want to slow down. So he just kept running. And sometimes we look back. It distracts us. We look at our past. Social media, in many ways, has been a blessing. Now, some of our past members of this fellowship that have come through here and live in other parts of the country, and it's like, hey, so-and-so is having a birthday today. Happy birthday. You stay connected in that way. And that can be a good thing. But also, it's become distracting. As people look back to the past, they're reminded of things that perhaps, or people that they'd be better off to forget. It becomes a distraction and not a help. And so we want to make sure that in this mirror dimly that we don't get distracted in the groanings, the labors of this current generation. Looking forward to that glorious liberty that comes as children of God. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Hey.